Inside 20 is brought to you by Traditional Bow Hunters of Georgia. Head on over to tradbowga.com for more info. Inside 20 is a separate entity from our sponsors. The information shared during each podcast are the beliefs of Inside 20 Associates and the guests participating. Have another hunt that's coming up. It's going to be on November the 10th through the 13th. We want to see a big crowd show up. So tell all your buddies here in Georgia, y'all come out for a little bit of deer hunting. It's going to be over at Rocky Mountain PFA. Uh, That address is 4054 Big Texas Valley Road Northwest. It is in Rome, Georgia. So no excuses. Hope to see everybody there. This is the traditional bow hunters of Georgia Northern Zone Hunt. For more information, call or text David Grogan at 770-530-1105 or Gene Bramblett at 678-858-7466. We have a special guest on tonight's episode. Even though we've only met on social media, we can already tell he's truly authentic as he didn't hesitate when we randomly reached out asking if he'd be willing to do a podcast. On top of that, he's been very successful with traditional equipment. He comes from Canada and is the owner and operator of Gunshot Archery. We'd like to welcome Tarl Frigon. Tarl, it's a pleasure to have you on with us tonight. Thanks again for taking the time to sit down with us. How's the hunting season going so far? Do you got any good stories uh, from any of the hunts you could share? No, thanks, Matt. Uh, Yeah, good meeting you guys. yeah, this year we've uh, been hunting more more this year than any other year so far. Like uh, since I've been doing my gun shy thing, I this year I've been doing it full time. So basically, with gun shy archery, we've been in business since 2008, and just you know it's just starting to take off now. So it's been a lot of uh, trying years, you could say, but you know. Now we're full full force, full time doing doing our quivers and stuff like that. So that's what's good about that is you get to go hunting lots because you can pick and choose your hours. So after we're done this podcast, I'll be lacing up some more quivers. So that's kind of where I'm at. Now, how long have you been making quivers? And I've seen your quiver design. It's it's pretty original. It's not like anything else that I've seen from a traditional standpoint. Yeah, the quivers, I've been dabbling in quivers for quite some time. Just, uh, well, just trying to make my own thing, right? Like, I've been been shooting traditional for quite a while, and I just noticed some issues with other quivers that I've been having. So I just said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not fighting with quivers that slide. So then I just started tinkering and, and come up with a, a pretty solid design, and uh, it's just kind of taken off for me. So I'm just going to run with it. I don't have one of your quivers, but that's something that's on my to-do list. Let me ask you this from a personal standpoint and anybody else that hears this that might be interested. Do you uh, do pre-orders or you have a, you know, a stock that you've made and then people can order what you've got available? How does that work exactly? Yeah, you just order. Everything, everyone is made one at a time. Uh, custom what you want. Basically go to our website. Hit me up with an email from the website and then we can just get talking with you know with what matches your bow there's two tone style there's 
a four blade, a four plus one, a six arrow, and like a, a sorry, they're all, they're all basically two blades, except for our we have a four arrow three blade option. So there's a four arrow two blade, a five arrow two blade, a six arrow two blade, and an eight arrow two blade, and then we have a four arrow three blade option, and all different colors and mix and match because it's all you, you can have three colors on it if you if you really wanted to but your best bet is just go to the website check it out you know you can just it's more eye candy on the website so rather than just trying to describe it now what's that website so everybody knows gunshyarchery.com perfect we'll post awesome we'll post that in our description for this uh podcast and then you've got instagram anybody hadn't checked that out yet they're going to want to it's a lot of good stuff i get a lot of uh, joy watching your videos especially when it comes to like tuning arrows and you got a youtube channel as well so we'll post all that for everybody that is interested in checking it out that's awesome appreciate it if you could tell us a little bit about yourself uh, where you're from how long you've been hunting traditional and what got you into this type of hunting well my name is Charles Rigon. i'm 47 years old, father of three, married for quite some time. And uh, yeah, just living in Saskatchewan. Regina is the city I call home. And basically from Regina, if you travel four hours, you can shoot, you can hunt anything you want, like mule deer, whitetail, black bear. Uh, we don't have a cougar season, but there would be cougars if you, you know, that's how close we are to kind of everything, moose, elk. So we're kind of in the southern part of the province, but only four hours away from just straight up forest where everything is. So it's, uh, it's a decent place to live. And been shooting bow quite a while since, you know, I bought my first bow. I shot my brother's old, I think it was an Allen compound wood riser and wheels and one of those bad boys. And yeah, I, I sucked because... because nobody really showed me how to shoot they're like here's a bow there's no sights just pull back and shoot it should fit you should be able to pull it back the very first time i pulled it back to see if i could pull it back i pulled it back anchored and just dry fired it because i had no idea right he never my brother never said well just don't dry fire it right and i didn't know i was like 13 and uh yeah it didn't explode or nothing like that it was only 50 pounds or something but yeah like i couldn't hit nothing and my brothers yeah they just you know watching dukes of hazard they just want to be but what luke duke i guess i don't know but uh there was no internet nothing like that so what did you where did you learn you just got better with you know crappy form the more you shot the better you got but with terrible form and then once uh i was in high school i bought my first real compound from my teacher he was he was uh hanging it up becoming a rifle hunter full-time because he had no time he said and bought his bow as an old uh, Easton Easton Hoyt or Hoyt Easton Apple or something like that. I don't even know. But it was an old school, archaic, tall, probably 50, 50 inches tall at least. And yeah, I shot my first deer with that with my, my brother. Again, no no proper training, nothing like that. You know how when you when you shoot 10 yards and you're bang on, you go to 20 and you're two inches left, you can go to, you know, 30, you're three inches left, go to 40 or four inches left, your sight pins would just follow that. 
rather than tuning your arrow rest, your sight pins would just gradually get out. Nobody, you, everybody just allowed for it because nobody knew how to tune anything. So that's kind of how I got started. And then I started shooting, wanting to shoot better and started to go to 3Ds and hook up with different guys. And if you want to shoot better, you're going to find ways to shoot better. You're going to hang out with different dudes and, and, you know, do some chin wagging with some guys and know what they're talking about and how to tune and then started doing that. And then I started dabbling into recurves because compounds, I don't know, I shot, shot lots of animals with compound and when I seriously got into traditional, I kind of just dove right in, you know, of course, everybody's back in the day. It's like, well, you want to shoot a faster bow, you need more poundage. So when you're shooting more poundage, you know, I was a big, strong kid, you know, I don't know, whatever, just big and strong could pull whatever weight, but you can't hold that weight because it, it stacks and, you know, there's no let off. So you'd start developing bad habits. So again, no proper training, just pull and shoot and you develop a bad habit of just snap shooting, not really coming to full draw and being really consistent. I was really consistent snap shooting, shot well, shot straight and shot a lot of stuff. But, re, uh, you know, about five years ago, I just wanted to start shooting better and better meaning anchor, pull through, be really consistent, shoot a little bit lighter weight and not snap shoot really really focus on what i'm shooting at so and ever since then i've just been you know increasing your your bow collection basically buying different bows and seeing which one works the best and i've been finding my my go-to bows are my big stick big stick archery bows like i got, I got a gremlin and a and a uh an assassin and they, they shoot pretty good for me like i, I I listened to your guys' uh, how you guys got started with your Martin Mamba and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I think everybody had a Martin Mamba. I don't know what your guys' draw length is, but mine's around 27, 27 and a half. And that Martin Mamba is designed for short draws. So, I mean, after 28, it stacks like crazy. But yeah, those are, those are pretty sweet bows, in my opinion. Same as the Martin Hunters. They're great starter bows, you know, for for the price of them so and that's that's about it that's how i kind of got in go right in that's awesome yeah i can, I can definitely relate to the the uh, struggle to want to shoot better and snap shooting and getting into bad habits i've been very blessed to have matt and some of the the great guys around here to uh, to kind of show me the right way and uh, through hearing stories like yours not everybody gets that Tarl, you you talked about to where you hunt. There's a there's a lot of really big big game animals. Uh, what is your favorite animal to hunt? Well, for me, I like to I like spot and stalk. Like um, hunting mule deer. The reason I like mule deer is not necessarily the spot and stalk, but you see so many animals. Like in Saskatchewan, you can for whitetail deer, you're allowed one whitetail buck all year. That's it. You don't get landowner tags. Or you don't have to shoot six does to get a, a buck tag or nothing like that. It's nothing, nothing cool like that. It's just if you, you know, you can buy a tag. You can use it for archery, muzzleloader, shotgun, or rifle. But you only get one tag, and there's just specific seasons for that. But and mule deer is the same way. It's it's a tiny bit different. Like you could put in for a draw, and then you can use 
a rifle like this year we're drawn so i get to use a rifle later on in the season if i don't get one with the bow saskatchewan residents can buy just an archery tag for mule deer um but you can't just buy a over-the-counter tag for a rifle for mule deer it's it's closed but if you put in for the draw you can get drawn and then you can use a rifle so but mule deer is totally my favorite because just because of the fact you can see a hundred deer in a day not a problem and when you go whitetail hunting i went tonight let's say and i seen like 10 far away like a mile away so and moose you're lucky if you see a moose i know guys have gone for 40 years and never even seen a moose in the in the forest so i've been pretty fortunate to see you know a dozen moose you know but mule deer is by far my favorite mostly because you every time you go you see tons of animals whether it's close or far whether you get a shot or not it's just cool seeing that many critters absolutely yeah speaking about the moose i I saw the video where you and your son went to moose camp and had that encounter with the the big bull in the meadow and i think he got downwind of you but that that was a it's a dandy yeah that was a that was a moose all right not you don't see many of those and what was lucky same thing just pure pure luck right my buddy was there for 10 days and he didn't see anything and we rolled in midway through his hunt and we hunted a day and a half and just happened to call one out and it's not i don't care what anybody says it's not how you're calling and stuff like that it's just pure location you got to be in the right spot at the right time it's not oh i seduced them from two miles away yeah okay to me it doesn't work like that (laughs) it's just interesting so if you would uh, talk about hunting in the snow i know your climate is uh is what it is most of the seasons polar opposite of ours here in the south and um, some specific tactics for scouting uh, types of natural food sources this type of time of year and uh, what type of gloves or tricks you use to stay comfortable in order to sit still while hunting on the ground yeah well like last night it snowed about four inches but up north well up north it's only 20 20 kilometers you know maybe 15 miles north of the city here is where i hunt for uh, for whitetail and i was there tonight and the wind blew it up and it was all packed in so i i was fortunate i got to wear my my white camel i love hunting in the snow it's just more fun for me but <clears throat> later on in the season is is the rut and you get to rattle and that's kind of my my favorite time to hunt because you just basically sit still and rattle the deer come to you or you're sitting on a food source like in Saskatchewan, we're allowed to throw bait out, right? But a lot of the farmers, when they're when they're swathing and combining, they have spills and stuff like that. So, like tonight, I sat up on a hill, and you could see where the deer, like a mile east and a mile south, I could see deer out in the fields, in specific spots in the field where they obviously had a spill, and you can just see the. I seen a really nice buck tonight, just digging away. He was probably I don't know, maybe 140 but a mile away <clears throat> which I'll, I'll mental note i know where he, where he's living so i'm going to go set up there next time right and hopefully the wind's right if the wind's not right you don't go but basically i like to rattle and call in the in the snow because the snow's crunchy it's again it's not like mule deer where you spot and stalk and then you get you got you know five hours to get close to them 
whitetails completely different. You got to wait for them to come out because they're bedded in thick, thick bush. And the odd time you'll see one out in the open, but it is a little bit harder to get closer, especially with a stick bow. So ideally, and tree stands, um, I like to film lots. So tree stands aren't conducive for me up in a tree because I like to have lots of different camera angles. Plus I like, I like not shooting down at deer because my, your, my uh, anchor point gets all messed up and just, I just don't like it. It's cool. You, you can see way further. It's, it's awesome. Your wind is usually better, but I just personally, I like being on the ground. I don't know why, but, but again, I like the rut when the deer are coming to antlers and it's exciting, you know, but again, I'm not fussy. I'm not like, Oh, well that, that hundred inch is too small. Yeah, no, that's not usually how it works with me. But I mean, a lot of guys, I know a lot of guys, like, why'd you shoot that? I'm like, well, I don't know, because it was 10 yards. That's why I shot it. What's, what's wrong with you? Me too. Yeah, I'm right there with you. When it comes to your, like, the land you're hunting on, the way it's laid out, is it mainly agriculture and then you've got small draws of woods? Are those majority of the areas you're you're spending your time in? Yeah, like the land I have permission on, it's pasture and brush and some taller trees. Like I could put a tree stand in like maybe 10 of those trees. So it's not crazy forested in, but there is bluffs and stuff like that. Uh, dugouts and water and, and the, like I had a camera set up at some water, but now that it's all froze up and snow everywhere, there's nothing on camera. So, and I've been blowing all my free time hunting uh, mule deer. We've been going down down south, which is two and a half hours away every free chance we get. So that's kind of the, because we're drawn, right? We're trying to find a nice big one, putting lots of time down south. And yeah, it's just, just fun, right? The whitetail have taken a, a back seat this year, but yeah, it's kind of rolling hills, lots. It's mostly agriculture. So when you see bluffs, usually there's, Potentially, there's deer in, in every, not every block, right? But, you know, if you got a good flax field, there's going to be lots of deer. Um, anything that's still standing is, is pretty good. Peas are a good, you know, if you find peas, you're sitting on gold. But, again, if you have a full field, it's hard to, you got to really do some homework and pinpoint where they're coming out and wind's got to be good. Plus, you got to watch other guys that are hunting with guns, too. So I know where I hunt, there's lots of guys kind of circling the, the property that I hunt. And they got cows in there, so they, they don't, don't allow hunting. They allow me in there, but they keep the cows in there. So they kind of don't want guns floating around, if you know what I mean. And you are you hunting the entire season, like all the way through? I don't, does it get to the point to where it's just it's too harsh or there's too much snow it's just too difficult in the areas that you're hunting. So, I mean, for us, we've got areas in Georgia that we can hunt until for deer until January 31st. And I know our January 31st looks a lot different than yours. Yeah, and I'd say our season is September 1st, um, right through till December 2nd, I believe. You're going all the and way to the very end. Yeah, and it doesn't shut down for nothing like that. Like archery, Archery stays open right throughout, and then you can use a muzzleloader October 1st, I think, and then shotgun November 15th till December 2nd or something like that. So, but yeah, it's it's just 
it's an it's a shotgun zone so it's not because it's so close to the city i guess they don't have rifle season here which is very very nice because what's messed up is in saskatchewan this is this is what's weird i can be out hunting mule deer september 15th wearing full camel and then there's draw elk in that same zone so then you can have a guy out there with a rifle dressed in full orange and i'm in camel which is fine he's he has to wear his colors which is fine i'm in my camel which is fine because i'm with a bull now fast forward to late season um deer season if there's an open season of of rifle in the deer season i can still hunt with a bow but i have to wear rifle colors you know what i mean like it's it doesn't make any sense it's interesting yeah like i think in bc whatever you're hunting with you can just wear camouflage it doesn't matter rifle bow or anything you're just you can wear camel and honestly i don't think anybody's been shot with a rifle in 100 years kind of thing you know like to warrant saskatchewan having to wear <clears throat> once upon a time it was full it was full blaze orange like cap the boots kind of thing coveralls solid colors red hat stuff like that and now they came down a little bit you can wear a hat and a and a bright vest or still a solid colored top and a red hat so <laughs> well it's just it was like coveralls right it was just every every That's... piece of clothing you had on had to be blaze or bright you just couldn't wear a white hat and that's, I mean, that gets, if you have to buy some orange coveralls and camo, they, they get expensive. I mean, we have some coveralls here that I'm sure they're not to the uh, the gauge and the thickness that you're wearing in your climate. Yeah, a lot of it is, a lot of it is just a, a pullover. So you wear ski pants and whatever, and then just a white cover up kind of thing. With, with, and again, that doesn't make any sense. You can wear white, which is, you know, snow camel basically, but who am I? interesting that is hey tarl how often do you shoot your bow during the season and and uh off season uh and then also just talk about your paper targets and uh i saw that you made them look like the animal you're hunting yeah yeah i, I try to now that uh well when you can shoot i'm not supposed to shoot in the city but i got really good neighbors and they're pretty cool with it i'm not walking across the street you know zipping from their yard but uh just shooting in my driveway kind of thing um yeah i'd like to have a big piece of paper and draw because who who can afford 3d targets life-size 3d targets you know just to zip broadhead that and stuff like that so my my target is actually my one buddy tommy gave it to me he got a whole pile of cardboard from glass manufacturers. He would install glass hand railings and stuff like that, or, you know, showers and stuff. So the glass supplier, they had all these sheets and sheets of cardboard. So he laid it the long way and he shot into the corrugated side and strapped it all together. And it was like, I want to say 16 inches deep, 48 inches wide and just stacks of cardboard like let's say 100 150 of these pieces of cardboard with a big ratchet strap around them and you know you just put paper on it shoot the crap out of it 
and then move all the good stuff down, you know, just, it's all, all layers. So you just take it apart and move all the crappy stuff to the bottom and put all the good stuff to the center and keep going. So, but I've been uh, putting paper on my target and I would just spray paint kind of a life-size animal. So when you're at 30 yards, you can kind of reference how big, if you're constantly shooting at something that's 30 yards and then you see the deer and you know roughly how big he is, you know, you don't have to guess too much at how, at how far away he is if it's already referenced. I'm not, again, I don't aim, so I'm not like taking my point on and measuring down, you know, 25 inches and shooting because my point on is like uh, 42 yards or something like that. Like it's, so me gap shooting is like, it's impossible for me to gap shoot. It's just, so foreign to me unless you're at like 42 yards and say oh yeah i can do this all day i can shoot a better group at 42 you know than 32 let's say right because for me shooting 32 i'm just kind of guessing just pure instinctual pull back this is how i do it i pull back and I, i know where i roughly line my arrow up for 20 yards then i'll just raise it up a little bit and i'll shoot I'm not raising it up, you know, so many inches or not string crawling or nothing like that. Just pure instinctual up to about 40. At 40, my point on is about eight inches low, something like that. So I know point on and stuff like that is way more accurate, but my arrows are cut. My draw length is like 27 and a half. My arrows are like 29, 29 and a quarter. So I can't aim with that like it's way too low to be aiming with you know i'd love to be awesome be awesome to you know but how all these dudes shoot they anchor further back on their face and the string comes and like i wear glasses so i can't anchor beyond my mouth otherwise the strings touch my glasses and i I can't anchor up high on my cheek because of my glasses too so i just had to adapt just suck it up and shoot more so I, I try to shoot every day at least, you know, at least, you know, five or six rounds of three or four just to, just to shoot. And when I, I can't go outside or too busy, you know, with life, I'll just shoot in the basement. Like just, you know, if I shoot into the basement, I get nine yards. But if I shoot uh, just on the, the, le- the level where I, converted uh we got a four level split for a house and i converted one level just right to to manufacturing the quivers out of the house and if i just shoot there put the put the target on the bench it's like you know three yards at least the arrows coming off the coming off the bow straight so i'm not worried about blowing arrows up coming out sideways so the bow is shooting pretty pretty straight so yeah i just try to shoot as much as you can especially i have a heavy my one assassin bow uh, big stick assassin it's uh, 53 pounds and i've been shooting it more and it's it's a little heavy for me so i actually have another one on order but i don't want to say that too loud around the house if you know what i mean <laughs> it should it. be ready <laughs> it should be ready within a month he said but and, and it's probably going to be like a 50 pounder so it's you know 50 pounds i think is <clears throat> optimal my gremlin's 47 it's it's fine but I'm finding the 53 just shoots faster and flatter. Like I can't believe the knock travel on that, on that assassin. It's insane. 
it just comes off and doesn't wiggle, doesn't wobble, it just boom like a laser. It's super impressive. I've never had a bow do that for me, but that's why I can't seem to put it down. Whether I was shooting split finger or three under, just crazy, crazy arrow flight out of it. It was just super cool. It's a and it's a sixty inch bow, so it's nothing, nothing crazy. You know, it's not sixty four inches where it's, you know, real stable. But I'm impressed with it, anyways. So I'll, I'll order up another one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you're getting the reps in. Uh, how often are you practicing with broadheads? And are, is this the same set that you hunt with, or do you have a practice set? Yeah, I shoot a two-blade uh, Magnus Stinger. So what I what I do is I like to have my broadheads. You know, if you're holding both straight up and down, I shoot basically a cock feather up. So then my broadheads, I'll index them all exactly the same, all sideways or level with, you know, the ground, not up and down, not on an angle, just so that when I put them in my quiver, it basically cock up, cock down, cock up, cock down. And then you get zero fletching clearance issues, like with your fletching touching each other in your quiver, gives you just more space in between your feathers, right? Especially when you're packing in eight, eight into your quiver, so... But what I did notice is I'm way more consistent. I was getting better arrow flight, consistent arrow flight when I would do that. I know some people don't believe it. doesn't matter. Well, if your arrow's perfectly tuned, you don't have to worry about that. Yes, I agree 100%. But my arrows aren't tuned perfectly, obviously, right? If I can spend, I shoot the same arrows every year. So, you know, I'll drop a thousand bucks on a new bow but I'll shoot the same arrows from the previous year because I still have them. You know, I can't keep, plus you got to buy new broadheads. Broadheads are, you know, getting crazy expensive and you're going to blast how many of those in a year, you know, plus practicing and stuff like that. So I'm not dropping hundreds of hundreds of dollars on arrows just to get a perfect arrow, you know, and once you get a perfect arrow, Easton will quit making that arrow anyway. It just boggles my mind what some companies do, you know. You spend a pretty good amount of time, though, tuning your arrows, right? I mean, I've watched some of your videos on Instagram. Like, you'll have, it seems like you'll have an arrow out of a group of six that is that's not flying right. Are you not tuning that at that point to try to get it to tighten up? Yeah, I'll just give it a, if it's the same one, it's hard to notice which one it is without labeling things. But, yeah, I'll, I'll group, well, I'll first start, with a bare shaft right so let's say i got a new bow i'll start with a whole new set of arrows and i'll bear shaft tune it just getting it flying straight for tune and then because every arrow is different like you can shoot all the same and then and then you'll you will still have that one flyer that just doesn't want to group with the rest and then i just i fletch all my arrows all the same so all three are the same color just for that reason so i just turn it give it another cock feather up because I shoot cock up, but they're all the same color. So it doesn't matter. So I'm messing with your head. Oh, I, ha- I turned my knock. Now my black one's to the right. And, you know, it's, this one should fly straight now. So it's it's totally out of your head if they're all the same color, right? And you have a, a cock indicator on your knock. So you can knock your arrows, you know, just feeling that, that cock indicator on your thumb on the knock. So you know exactly how it's all set up. So it's uh pretty pretty simple that way 
but yeah, I, I, I try to tune as, as best I can with what I have. I know 400 spine good for the bow that I have. So when I buy them, I set them up like that. So I'm not, you know, bear shafting with a, with a broadhead. I have, it flew fine. I just fluked out. Right. But, but that's, you know, so I kind of stick with what works. I don't try to put a 200 grain point on there, shooting a 300 spine arrow and, and start messing around with that. These fly straight. They kill, you know, they kill just fine. I'm pretty, pretty fortunate to have killed quite a few critters with it, but uh, I just, you know, if it works, I'm not going to mess with it. Just want to keep, keep shooting. I'd rather shoot the practice than, you know, spend, waste my time tuning when I know what works, right? Kind of like I used to make self bows and you spend 40, 50 hours building a self bow, whittling it out of a piece of hickory and then it blows up in you know two months of shooting it now you just you just wasted 50 hours that you get them shooting you know a new martin let's say you know or anything some of warranty <laughs> you know 50 hours is a lot of time that you unless you really love drawing that knife it's it's a waste of time in my opinion but again that's that's me. I'd rather be shooting my bow for 50 hours than, than making a bow that is going to explode. Let's say, I don't know. That that's just me. But I could be. Yeah, I agree. You know, I agree with that. I talk about time a lot. It seems like that as uh, life continues to get more and more complicated and kids and stuff like that, you know, add to it. It's uh, your time is limited. So getting out in the woods and to being able to do what you want to do or practice and uh you got to find your passion right like you said i mean at the end of the day like if you love building bows and that's what you love doing or building arrows or whatever it is um then you should do that and when it comes to like building arrows i might paint arrows and but when i try to crest arrows i'll I'll tell myself i'm gonna i'm gonna do some really nice cresting right like i'm gonna have you know 10 or so lines or whatever and the next thing you know i've done two or three lines I'm like that looks good <laughs> we'll, we'll end it there <laughs> so i started thinking about how long it's gonna take yeah, exactly. Unless you're sitting with the family watching TV, cresting arrows, it's a little bit different, you know, but uh, I know I've shot woods before and stuff like that, but I just didn't find them to be too durable. So I shied away from them and shot aluminums, right? Because back in the day, aluminum, aluminum was traditional and wood was traditional, but uh, now everybody's shooting carbon because it's, it's just straighter, right? It's just more energy and straighter. Well, aluminum's pretty straight. I shouldn't say aluminum's not straight, but it's just what I, and another thing I found was the more money you paid for a shaft, the straighter it is, the better your arrow shoots. I found that out the hard way I shot. I was shooting whatever, uh, the cheapest Eastern shaft you could buy. I was like three bucks a shaft way back in the day. And then I shot my buddies Eastern, maybe they were axis when they first came out and the straightness was better because they were $9 a shaft. And man, they grouped like crazy good compared to my cheap ones. And it, all it is is a straightness. And I couldn't believe it. Like, I'm like, is it worth it? The extra five, six bucks a, a shaft, you know? And I thought, well, there's no way I'm not that good of a shot that I'll even notice it. But yeah, you, like, honestly, it was, it was night and day. It was insane. It was like an eight inch group to like a two and a half inch group, let's say. I just, 
it was just way better. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Like you wouldn't have believed it unless you would have, you know, it's hard to believe that straightness is that, that big of a deal. Target guys. That's why target guys spend, you know, probably 30 bucks a shaft on these arrows that shoot themselves pretty much. Interesting. So your, your setup that you prefer is a uh, big stick bows, Easton arrows and Magnus stinger broadheads. Is that pretty much your go-to or do you mix it up some? No, that's that's my go-to. I like I like a solid blade for wind, like for noise, because uh, the vented blades are a little bit noisy in the air, and you can you can tell. Like a, a two-blade mag, uh, sorry, a two-blade Zwicky is super quiet. Like not non-vented blades are, are quieter in the air. But again, back to the time thing. Like I want to buy a broadhead, screw it on, have it spin good and be sharp you can't do that with a zwicky unfortunately it's not sharp it's like it's like some kid sharpened it with a stone and threw it in a package it's and i don't want to waste my life trying to sharpen these things on a belt sander and then then the stone like i want to be shooting stuff not you know prepping to shoot stuff that's true <laughs> and we shoot zwickies so we can yeah it's true though <laughs> Hey, they're cheap. That's the, for good reason, though. Yeah, they're cheap. Yeah, they're good. And they're fine. They're a really good broadhead. They're solid as crap, but you have to sharpen them, right? That's, that's just the nature of the beast. You, and you can get them sharp. I know guys get them super sharp, but I'm not I'm not willing to, you know, do that. I'd rather and, – and a lot of it is because I'm self-employed, so my nights are spent, you know, lacing quivers, dyeing leather, cutting leather – emailing guys talking to guys because that's when everybody's off and everybody's you know they, they got time to chit chat and talk about what they want to have built and stuff like that and you know and what works for me doesn't work for everybody else but a lot of guys you know are, are asking my opinion on this and that and you know i'll spend, I'll spend time i'll chit chat i love and that's why i love my job is you know you're 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 talking to guys all day about what you're passionate about it's it's pretty sweet you know and then you could build build my stuff all night long and go hunting in the morning or hunt like today i hunted you know build quivers today and then uh hunted tonight and i'll be back building quivers tonight so it's it's a it's a good it's a good life i'm living right now plus i'm hunting a lot so everything's everything's working out for me except for killing stuff which is secondary to me i guess it's good stuff it, it'll come um Let's talk about your unique way of shooting at your target before a hunt uh, while leaving the target in the front or back of your truck. Uh, when you first started doing this, we were nervous of, of you missing and <laughs> messing up your truck. Uh, I guess your reason for doing that is to help with your nerve training. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things like you can't, the, the best way to emulate is emulate like the stress that you're going to have when you're, when you're coming to full draw on an animal, you're, you're stressed to the max, right? And you lose focus on what you really need to hit. So when you put like me, it's not, I don't have a brand new truck. It's not, nothing's crazy. The worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to shoot my tailgate or shoot, you know, the back wall or, or take out a window, but that's, it really makes you focus. Like you, you forget about it all. Just forget about everything else and just focus on the center of the target and do your shot. Kind of like, you know, when an animal's there. And a lot of guys give me grief about that. It's like, well, I'll tell you, if I put a, let's say a two foot 
round circle styrofoam in the back of my truck and go to 20 yards or 30 yards, if you can't hit a two-foot circle at 20 yards with your longbow recurve combo and whatever, you shouldn't be shooting at an animal. So you shouldn't be giving me grief. Guys have been giving me grief like crazy. But honestly, if you can't hit something that's two feet round in front of anything, you probably shouldn't be shooting an animal. Is it okay to put it in the back of your buddy's truck? Does that provide the same benefit for <laughs> nerve training? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I'm honestly, I'm probably going to do it. I'm going to start doing oh, yeah. it when we, when we go hunt other places. But it's big. Put it, start with a big one, you know. It, but you should be able to hit that. Like, realistically, a guy should have a 12-inch circle or an 8-inch circle that you're hitting consistently. You know, and then that's that's your effective range, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. You're making me nervous, though, thinking about the back of my yeah. truck. <laughs> but that's why you're doing it, right? Put it, I love put, it. Put it where it's unique. Put it in, yeah, put it in front of, I don't, I don't know. The neighbor's house. I don't know. Did you guys, I don't know if you guys follow my Instagram, but I had one dude call me out telling me that he's a better shot than me and blah, blah, blah. I didn't see that. Uh, it was great. You did? Yeah. Yeah. And then I put the uh, my bear target in front of my, the side of my truck and, and I backed up and eventually I hit my door. But like I said. It's not a new track, but, you know, it still makes you focus. You know, you have to, you need to focus on something, you know, same thing. Like I'll, like when we're up North hunting, I take a yoga block and we shoot the yoga block at camp because you're, you're packing it in. So you don't want to carry something monstrous or wreck something, you know, I used to shoot up my, uh, my bed roll, my foam roll, and then it just gets full of holes and then it's not really good but that was my target back in the day it just rolled up and you just <laughs> shoot at it because you're not carrying anything in right so now i carry just a little foam yoga block which is like two bucks at the dollar store or whatever and you just shoot it but if you miss you're going to lose your arrow right so you don't want to miss so now you're now you really know where your effective range is Right, like up north in the forest, you got if it's a 25 yard shot, that's far because everything's depending on where you set up. But when you're rattling deer in, usually it's 20 yards, you know, because it's so thick you can't shoot that far. So if you're shooting 20 yards and you're money, you're you're pretty money when the deer comes out. My boy shot a really good one when the I think the second year we went, rattled him in and yeah, he zipped it. That's awesome. It's, it's like that here too. We get pretty pretty close quarters with with uh, a lot of the places that we're hunting as well. That's a good piece of advice to make sure that you're sharp and prepared for you know shooting at an animal. Serious business. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't practice. The only way you can practice with the nerves is stressing yourself out. You know, put put something small in front of something that you care about. You know, that's. Or put it, or hang it from a tree, and if you miss, you got to go walk and get this thing that's you know 50 yards down. Make it a punishment for missing, you know. Otherwise, you, you're flinging arrows. I mean, people are different. Like, you know, I I just I need that. I need that stressor to make you focus 
you know, when I'm shooting in my garage, when I'm on the, basically on the street, that's 30, 34 yards. I'm shooting like right over my lawnmower handle or the kids' bikes handles and handlebars and stuff like that. So if you hit something, you're going to wreck it, right? So that's, that makes you really focus on what you want to hit. So you start looking to the right or left, but, oh, I might hit that handle if I pull it. You're going to hit it. Like, you know, whatever you look at, you're going to hit. So it really teaches you to focus on, on what you want to actually kill. The hardest part is, is focusing on what you want to hit. Like pick a spot, pick a spot, pick a spot. You know, that's that's the that those are words to live by. Like this year, I don't know if you watched the last YouTube video, but I got close. I got 15 yards from this one deer. Couldn't see him. He picked his head up and got up and seen me. I pulled back, and when he bounded and turned, he was quartering, and I I shot and I clipped the branch, and it kind of went by his feet. And you know, I was super bummed out until the next trip when I had a nice big buck walk right behind some bales I was at, and I missed him at like eight yards, like eight yards. I missed this deer, nice, big, big, mature muley buck, eight yards. Cause he's coming around the bales. I was at full draw. As soon as he come around, I could see his front legs. I shot through the bale. I tried to go through the bale into his lungs. And I, I went over top of him over his back at eight yards. Like, yeah, like you want to kick yourself for not focusing? There you go, eight yards. I think everybody deals with it different too. Like some people don't even get nervous before the shot. I get so worked up, and you're right. Like you don't replicate that shooting at a foam target in the yard. So my wife gets on tomorrow and asks why I'm shooting at a target in front of her car. I'll tell her that Tarl told me to do it, and then I'm just practicing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's uh, that's how you that's how you learn. <laughs> that's right. good stuff. Tarl, in your opinion, what's the most important piece of equipment that you're taking into the woods with you on a hunt, uh, other than your bow and arrow? Binoculars, especially for you know whitetail or or mule deer, moose. Yeah, like depending where you go and get set up. If you're in a tree stand, everything's close. But usually, if you're hunting whitetail and you're in a tree stand, you want to, you're in a tree stand so you can see. So I think binos are absolutely the the best tool you can get. And don't don't skimp out on those. I've got I bought some oh, I don't even know what they are Vortex something or others ten by ten by thirty two maybe like nothing huge because I have a spotter a spotting scope and a good camera, so I don't want to carry. 10 by 50s or 10 by 42s, something that's a little heavier on my chest where it's not needed, right? If you got a big, you got a big spot and scope with you anyway, why do you want to carry big glass on your chest? Especially if you're crawling around stalking these things, you don't need, you know, the 50 mil front end. But I think binos are, so my son here, he, you know, he's full-grown adult now. He's 17, working a full-time job. So it's time for him to start buying his own stuff. So we went to Cabela's, and I'm like, here you go. Time to buy some binoculars. So he bought himself some uh, 10 by 10 by 42s. And, yeah, he's like, yeah, that's the best money you ever talked me into spending. <laughs> so optics are huge. They're huge. 
what, what power are you running for a spotting scope? Well, my scope is like, again, I have better things to spend my money on besides spending three or $4,000 on a big, massy spotting scope. So my scope's like a 20 to 60, but I rarely go to 60 because it's, it's crap, right? I think it was like 150 bucks. And basically my spotting scope helps you find stuff. I used to run, you know, everybody runs the, your video or a, a phone scope type thing for getting phone scope video and stuff like that. I hated doing that. Like it was just so painful. Cause you always, you know, you fill up your phone with all these videos you never, ever use, you know, stuff like that. You're killing your battery on your phone. So now I just bought this new uh, video camera, a PX 1000. It's got a wicked zoom. It's got like 125 times digital or optical zoom. Crazy zoom, crazy zoom. Then there's some digital zoom after that, but it's it's wicked. Like it's it's so awesome. It's way better than carrying a spotting scope because, or a spotting scope and adapter, because you just zoom in and there's your screen. Carry a couple extra batteries because you're gonna kill your battery if you're filming stuff, but you're not filling up your phone. You know, you're not fighting with stuff trying to find it on on screen and stuff like that. So I invested in the camera rather than a new spotting scope because I didn't want to fight with the scope adapters and some scope adapters are and all the new stuff is crazy expensive. It's, it's insane. I don't know how guys are doing that. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. And that's the thing for us where we're at, it's not really necessary, but if you go you know, out of state and you do like a, a self-guided elk hunt or, you know, some type of moose hunt where you you can see a long ways, uh, I think, it is something like that is necessary and i think yeah you're right like the camera aspect it makes more sense especially if you're wanting to have video um i think it's uh it's a good idea i never thought of that it makes sense so what type of health practices like best practices are you doing to stay fit uh during the season outside the season well Nothing too crazy. Um, when I was still working full, had a full-time job, I would, we would, we would run a 10 hour shift. So we'd start at six, six thirty. So then I would get up at five and work out, try to work out with the boy and stuff like that, get into a rhythm and then you get out of the rhythm and then you get into it and you get out of it. So there's no real rhyme or reason. I wasn't hiking with packs and stuff like that. I'm just, I have a pretty high metabolism, so I can eat lots of crap and not get super overweight. I've always always had trouble gaining weight, so stuff like that. Uh, it's easy for me to put on muscle, but it, it's also easy for me to lose muscle, if you know what I mean. Real easy on, easy off kind of thing, which kind of sucks. But but right now, I just keep, you know, I got a full gym in the basement. We've got wrestling mats because the kids used to wrestle all the time, so we kind of made the gym into a uh, big workout place for everybody kind of thing and we did you know of course you have all the, all the stuff and you just don't use it enough basically but for but what I like to do is just if I'm doing anything I'm doing bent over uh, flies for the rear delts and, and traps and stuff like that just for pulling just to keep both muscles that kind of kind of the same because you're always pulling with your right arm so if you keep if you keep your 
bat strong, then it's, you know, you're not going to hurt yourself yarding, yarding a bow back when you're cold, you know, you can warm up a little bit. Just another thing when I'm, when I'm in the winter, if I'm, when I'm hunting and I'm cold, I'm flexing my muscles all the time. Like I'm, I'm always just flexing and trying to keep blood in the muscles. So when you draw your bow and I will, I will draw my bow lots when I'm sitting just to, when that animal comes out, I do not want to be cold and have to, you know, shiver and shake trying to yard this this bull back just to get to anchor because you're so cold or nervous on top of it so i try to be really warm the whole time i'm sitting in the cold and just flexing just flexing muscles and keeping the blood in the muscle and yeah i'm sure everybody does that it's not that's probably not a secret or anything like that but that's bent over rows i find are really really good for your rear delts and stuff like that so that's about it Good, all good stuff, especially the cold weather when you're sitting there hunting. That makes sense. So I gotta ask this. I know you shared that unfortunate hunt with the deer you missed at eight yards. Not other deer you hit the twig, but is there any number one or one that maybe sticks out more than others? Heartbreak moments or hunts, missed deer, wounded deer, animals. How did you bounce back from that? If so, from a mental aspect. There's been so many <laughs> practice. <laughs> the I, I'm just getting good at missing, really good. No, like the the most heartbreaking for me would probably be my very first deer that I shot when I was 16. had had my first compound shot with sight stingers, and um, you know you know saddle hunters now they've got this little platform that they carry around it's just a platform super small their feet go on it kind of thing and they're hanging in a, in a sling saddle uh, my brother and i when i was 16 we were making stands just like that just a platform that was like two feet out and 18 inches wide just a stand platform no seat no nothing you just strap it to the tree climb up and just sit there and uh, well stand there you'd stand on the platform just standing up with your bow hanging there and i think this was even before they had screw in anything to hang your bow from we would just bust a limb and hang your bow and the first deer that i had a shot at it came in little buck little three by three and of course we walked in you know a couple couple ridges to a good draw and then walked down the draw and then just put up this these stands because we wanted small stands that you can carry in and like this is in 19, oh, 1993, 92, 93. And yeah, like, so there was no, nothing was aluminum. We just welded everything out of steel and away we went kind of thing. And uh, little buck came in, come broadside. And I was at full draw. And of course it's like 65% let off in this big wheelie bow. And then he bed down right in front of me, like 15 yards. I'm like, oh my God. So I had to draw down, recompose everything's shaking my my ears are thumping like i swear this deer could hear my ears with the heartbeat in my throat then i pull back and of course again nobody's telling me don't shoot embedded don't shoot embedded so of course pull back shoot embedded and maybe a, a touch far back and he got up and ran away and no it didn't exit on the bottom and yeah never found him that was that was probably my 
my worst experience. And then you kind of learn from that. Don't shoot bedded deer, right? I mean, nowadays it's a little different with compounds. You can zip through pretty much anything, but back then it was, you know, maybe 55 pounds, you know, 20, 28 inch raw fingers, not fast, no penetration, three blade, big, big, but that one went in, didn't no exit. And yeah, we never found them, but that, that kind of set the tone. Like it took a long time to shoot a deer after that. Like, I mean, I shot a doe a little while, like maybe a week later, two weeks later, and like idiots. Again, my brothers, man, like we, they, they knew nothing. They knew how to, how to, you know, just sit in a tree and shoot stuff, but no tuning, no, nothing like that. And we carried, it was just a yearling fawn kind of thing. And we carried that thing out, carried it out, like tied his legs together and put it on my shoulders and carried that thing out like idiots you know so stupid <laughs> look back on that it's, now it's just a just a haunting memory me and my brother just chuckle about it nowadays but it's like what the hell are you doing man like gut it quarter it you know no sense caring why are you carrying guts home like ah whatever live and learn live and learn that's, that's right it's only a bad experience if you if you don't learn from it right when something goes poor and then apply it going down the road yeah, for sure. It's, I've learned lots <laughs> from bad experiences. It's good. I think we all have. At some point, if you're bow hunting or hunting in general, I would I would say you're going to learn from a uh, an unfortunate experience that doesn't go the way you thought it would go. But that's uh, it's good. It's good for everybody. So I got to ask this: you any kind of good advice uh, for somebody trying to get in traditional bow hunting? Yeah, if you want to be good, if you want to be good at traditional, you should aim. If you want to not suck horribly, you should aim. Because if you're aiming, you can reference stuff and you can, if you're just starting out, I would be starting with an extra long arrow just so that you can aim with it. Because it's easier and and you're going to gain more confidence sooner because if you suck, man, people want, they want to be good and on target right now. And if they're not, they're not even, they just quit trying. There's not, they just don't want to do it. I know lots of guys, lots of my buddies are like, yeah, oh yeah, I'll shoot a recurve and they'll shoot a recurve for like two times. And they're like, yeah, I'll just stick with my compound. I suck at this. And then that's it. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to keep going. And that's fine too. Like it's not for everyone. You have to be comfortable with not killing stuff on a regular basis. Like, yeah. But anyway, I'll try to focus on the question. If, for advice, if you want to shoot traditional, aim. Aiming will, will you know, shooting instinctive is, is you're not going to be good at the start. Like, you're not. And your effective range, unless you're shooting lots your effective range is only going to be 15, 20 yards tops. But if you're aiming, you can be consistent to 30 yards, let's say, right? With with faster bows and super curved limbs and all that fun stuff, you can be accurate. But another thing, what's equally as important as accuracy, I think, is, is way overlooked. The quiet bow. Like, shoot a heavy arrow, pull all the energy out of the bow, so it's quiet. I think that is 
one of the most overlooked parts of traditional archery and traditional bow hunting period is how loud your bow is. If you can quiet your bow down, you know, then you can, you got no worries taking a 20 yard shot. If you're shooting a slow arrow, because the, the deer is still going to be there. He's not going to jump your string if you can't hear the bow go off. So, you know, you watch some videos where the deer, the guy shoots, misses, but the deer doesn't budge because he's shooting a deadly quiet bow. Then he gets another shot and he shoots and kills it. It's like that's that's invaluable if you have a quiet bow. I missed a, a deer on that last deer hunt. I missed one at eight yards, and then I missed one on the last night I was there. Nice little whitetail, maybe, I don't know, 110 inches, 120 inches max. And he was, the fence he was at was like 20 or 29 yards. So he's about 30, 31. And I can shoot 31 yards, 30 yards, right? And he was gone way before my arrow got there. So quiet bull, you know, would have been a little bit different maybe. I don't know. Great advice. Yeah, I agree with that. It's good. It really is. It is important. It is overlooked often. So need to ask this question selfishly, I guess we'll ask this question. Um, the three of us are uh, younger guys in our marriage and, and uh, young kids. So want to ask, like, you got any good tips for uh, people in that life stage when it comes to, you know, balancing hunting and, and family uh, and trying to keep everybody happy, right? And still getting the time in the woods when it counts. Well, I am 47. I got married when I was 20 divorced when I was 21 <laughs> then I was with the girl for seven or ten more years and then we split up and now I'm with my wife now and we've been together a long time and yeah it's like she's kind of accepted it because um, that's part of me right that's it's just it's who I am so what's funny is she took my daughter to an outdoor club tonight which you pay for, for your child to be outside, to be having fun and this and that outside. And I'm like, why doesn't she just come hunting? But she doesn't like hunting per se. She likes the outdoors, but she doesn't like hunting. So you have to let them do, do what they want to do. And if they want to come to hunting later on, then they'll come to hunting. But archery, we, we got, everybody has a bow. Not everybody shoots all the time, but all the kids have bows and, my oldest boy there, now that he's 17, you know, he's, we've all been there. We've all been there, but uh, I thought for sure he'd be, he'd be hunting right beside me. You know, he likes mule deer and stuff like that, but to go sit in the white old blind, he'd rather go hang out with his girlfriend. You know, that's life. So life. as for hunting all the time and, and yeah, if your wife is on board with your, outdoorsiness let's say you know i mean that that's cool that's cool if they if they realize that that uh you're going to be going in the woods and you're going to be coming back you know as soon as you realize that oh well he's coming back then then things kind of settle down but just like everybody else you know you always have fights about getting time in the bush and time away from the family and stuff like that especially with kids like especially when you have younger kids it's like pulling teeth getting getting time to go so yeah, the best advice would be, you know, 
when your kids are small, you got to spend every time, every, every minute you can and, and take as many pictures as you can. It's, it's sad to say, but kids grow up fast. Like it's like, you know, I remember, I remember seeing Bo, my boy on a bear hunt when he was four years old, you know, and now he's 17 and just, just like that happens quick. You guys, you gotta enjoy every minute with those young kids. Cause they're not young all the time. How old was Bo when he started hunting? Was it four? He was actually hunting them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he shot, I think I'm to an archery shoot and he shot his first animal with a little recurve. He shot a squirrel when he was four and killed it. That's awesome. And then here <laughs> in Saskatchewan, in Saskatchewan, you have to be 12. You have to take a hunter safety course. You have to be 12 before you can hunt with, an, with the supervision of an adult. So I think he was 13 when he shot his first, because his birthday was late. And then when he got his hunter safety, stuff like that. So he didn't hunt deer. He got his hunter safety and then he had to wait till spring to hunt kind of thing. So he shot his first bear. I think, I think he was 12 or 13, sorry. So now that of all my hunts, I think that one has to be the, the best one because of the the excitement in his face when he shot his first bear you know that's that was awesome you can't you can't replace that so it's pretty pretty deadly yeah i think all three of us look forward to that one day hopefully our our kids will want to at least give it a try and maybe we'll get to experience that with them that first opportunity or first harvest it's good that's uh it's good to hear that uh you're right that time does go by quick i've already seen a lot of changes crazy when they're young it seems like it's you get to a point to where it's like in two weeks they're a different person you know like the things that they're saying and doing and um how they're processing stuff that you're saying it's it's interesting but it's uh, it's a lot of fun wouldn't change it that's for sure i want to ask you a question about uh any favorite destination hunts i know you, you go uh you said two and a half hours away or is there anywhere else that you've been uh canada is uh there's a lot of opportunity for uh things to to uh pursue and hunt um so i don't know you may you may just stay uh stay there and not go out of the country at all yeah the only thing that i really done was uh out of province um black bear went to manitoba for black bear that's about it um just no money like you know just everything costs everything I, i've never really had extra money if i had extra money i took time off work and went hunting around here kind of thing that was that was my extra money it's not like i squirreled away you know eighteen thousand dollars to go for alaska moose or something like that which would be pretty sweet but i can't i can't see that in my future you know as far as uh like even even taking you know well you take holidays right because same thing your wife wants to take holidays you want to take separate holidays so what do you do you, you know you kind of you have to take what you can get and you know my wife makes more money than me so you know i'll i'll take what i can <laughs> what i can get for for my holidays right but uh you know some some wives they take some guys go with them on, on hunting trips. And that's, that's awesome. I know this old couple that would come to archery shoots 
and he would shoot and she wouldn't. She would just be there camping and hanging out and having fun. You know, that's that would be awesome. But my wife, she's come to archery shoots. She shot in nationals and this and that. And it's just not her cup of tea, it's, you know. Of course, she got flighted with people that were, you know, kind of being goofy and stuff like that. So I put a, a sour taste in her mouth and she didn't much care for not shooting with me because at a national event, it's like, they flight you with people, right? So, yeah. So anyway, that's that's her life in a in a nutshell for archery. It's like, yeah, I'm good. You can go. I'm out. Yeah, that's unfortunate. She had that experience, but everybody has what you know passions for them and life and things that they enjoy doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think you're right. Earlier, you said as long as they'll give you time to go, and then you give them time in return to do what they want to do. Um, there's, you know, a somewhat of a, it's, not, it's never balanced, but, you know, you try at least your best to, to make it feel that way, uh, at certain times. What, it, uh, this year, like from an standpoint of hunts, is there anything else on the horizon for exciting hunts at home that you've got planned? Yeah, well, like I, like I said, I'm drawn for my mule deer so I can take a rifle in November. So I'll probably take my my big stick assassin and a rifle because if if it's a monster deer and he's 200 yards away i might just shoot him with the gun you know there's no just because i'm drawn it's not like i'm sure i've I've shot like one deer with a rifle it's just insane like i haven't i'm almost looking forward to it but not really you know what i mean like it's something i've never really done and so it's kind of new to me. I actually bought a rifle this year just for varmints kind of thing. And it's a light get 223. You can use it for deer. And, and you know, I've, I've shot one deer with a rifle. It was, ironically, it was, a, I think it was a 223 from a buddy. And, yeah, it's just something I've never done. And I think, you know, it, it would probably be pretty addictive because of the range you can do. So, it, it's a different different game i don't know but it, it feels it, it just feels different it's just it's just weird i can't even describe how odd it feels that i'm excited to go take a rifle i feel yeah it's, it's just weird man like <laughs> i don't know and then in uh once i'm all done my mule deer me and my buddy are going to do a little skiing uh whitetail rattle session again you know camp in the in the tent and wood stove in the tent and just living life in the bush for you know probably four days anyway so hopefully it's not minus 25 celsius again because that was a little bit chilly last time but we didn't die but those those hunts are those hunts are fun and my buddy's you know he's what is he 66 so we're just making memories me and him you know it's like he he's up for anything so i'm i'm cool with with going with him for sure because life is short you need to do all that you can every day you know if you get a day off of work don't waste it on the couch like you got to do something and you know a lot of guys are just you know wasting their lives doing nothing you guys you got to be doing something you know i'm 47 now and i feel 27 kind of thing it's like time flies i never thought i'd be 30 and here I am, 47. Sounds like some exciting stuff on the horizon. Definitely uh, look forward to seeing, hopefully, some some videos or some pictures 
on Instagram. Uh, I'll say selfishly, I'd love to see you stick a giant with your big stick assassin. Um, I know the rifle is, is new and you probably want to, like you said, it feels exciting and, and new, but um, there's always more varmints, right? If, if you do sh shoot a giant with the bow instead. So, but I, I wish you the best of luck. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of new to the podcast thing, you know, since I've been working from home, I've been listening to a lot more podcasts. It's uh, kind of addicting, actually. Pretty cool. I'm glad you guys are doing something for traditional guys because there's not that many out there, you know. So hopefully it, it takes off for you. Thanks, Tarl. Yeah, we we love it a lot. You know, it's very addicting. And so for us, just, um, just trying to share content uh, with people like you that – are very knowledgeable and wise and have been doing it for a while and been successful and uh, got good advice for folks. I think that's crucial because uh, there isn't many people that are picking it up, um, especially if you compare it to everybody that buys a hunting license every year. It's, uh, it's definitely a, a smaller crowd that shoot traditional, especially somebody that does it maybe full time or majority of the hunting season. Uh, I just want to say thank you. Um, I really appreciate the time you spent with us uh i'll let mike close us real quick but just know we uh are truly grateful for the time that you spent with us today we uh, love watching your content uh on youtube and and watching you on instagram and uh, look forward to connecting again soon yeah for sure matt thanks appreciate it you know you going on this this hunt potentially taking your rifle i mean you're you're uh you're set up pretty pretty nicely with the the knowledge that you possess from you know your time traditional bow hunting and uh, wish you the best of luck whether you take that with the traditional bow or the rifle i'm sure it'll be an enjoyable experience but man what a for those guys that are, are contemplating traditional archery uh what a what a great foundation for any type of hunting if you stick with it or you go back to to rifle hunting or, or compound whatever these guys do you know it's, it's definitely worthwhile uh hunting this way and giving it a, a shot because um, it, it's only going to make you a better hunter in, in whatever method you choose to, you know, to, to go out with. So uh, best of luck to you. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. I, uh, yeah, it, it does make you a better hunter. Like being a traditional guy, you have to obviously get close. And if you can get close with a bow, it just makes everything else seem that much easier for sure. Tomorrow, if you don't mind, we'd like to close in a word of prayer real quick. It's okay with you. No problem. Billy and Father, we just uh, come to you today, and we just thank you for this opportunity just to get together again. We just thank you for another day to wake up and just enjoy everything that you bless us with. Just thank you for the time with Tarl today. Just thank you for his willingness to just be selfless with his time. We know how crucial and important that is in each of our lives i ask that you continue to just guide him uh throughout the rest of his uh his career and uh everything that he's pursuing um just be with his family and just continue to be with him as a father um and then also just an influencer in uh in just the traditional world that we uh we all love and breathe and sleep and think about it seems like all the time um just thank you so much for this time together today i just ask you with everybody as we get close to uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, we know this is a time to uh, just remember everything that we've been given and blessed with and just be thankful for. I ask that you be with everybody that's going to be traveling during the holidays. 
uh, be with everybody that'll be in the woods and pursuing uh, their the next chase. Uh, just allow everybody to um, be able to learn from each experience this year. And just uh, remember the most important part is uh, just being able to spend time together uh, with one another and sharing those memories, Lord. I uh, just thank you so much again for everything you've given us. Just continue to keep us safe and healthy and continue to bless us every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Thanks, Tarl. We'll be uh, talking no, to you soon. Yeah, for sure. Don't be strangers.